you do me a favor and ask you to put down the name um, Dwayne Wells. Uh, Dwayne is uh, part of our church family. He's, I think, in his early 40s. Uh, his son Matthew is part of our Olympian program. And uh, Dwayne had, um, they planned to do a triple bypass uh, on Friday. I think they ended up doing a quadruple bypass. Um, so he's in uh, Winter Haven Hospital. Everything has went as planned. There's been no side effects or no uh, no heart damage. I know that they would appreciate your prayers. Uh, if you ever get a chance to be involved in children's ministry, Matthew um, is just an incredible little blessing, neat young man. And uh, he's probably is he in your small group. Okay, so uh, neat, neat young man. So please be in prayer for them. I also want to make sure that you're aware of um, that Wednesday night, everything starts back. So meal ministry is back, children's ministry is back, youth ministry will continue on, prayer meeting will be here uh, on Wednesday, so come and join us. Uh, Stacy's Bible study will start next week, I think, so um, that'll be... Um, so if there's a group of ladies who would like to join that, that's a neat opportunity for spiritual growth as well. And uh, so we love the, and the privilege um, to serve and uh, excited about... Uh, uh, what's taking place? Pray for Pastor Adam. Um, we are transitioning 15 middle school boys and 15 middle school girls. So that's 36 graders that will move, fifth graders that are moving up uh, this year uh, into youth ministry. So that's going to be quite interesting uh, how that all plays out. But we're excited about that. We thank the Lord for that opportunity. Uh, so uh, please be in prayer for us. If you would like to serve, there's neat opportunities to serve. If you'd like to come just be a bouncer, you can come sit in the middle school room. I'd be more than happy to use you as a bouncer. Uh, we can use the extra help there at times as well. But uh, in the serious note, please pray for us as we handle the Word of God. You never know who's sitting there in front of you. You have no idea the background. You have no idea the homes these people come from. We want them to know Jesus. And so we will do our work to the best of our ability, but we're asking the Holy Spirit to radically change people's lives. And that we're excited about that opportunity. Um, also, um, you know, pray for Clinton Ashley. Uh, they have an exchange student from France that is with them. So they, this young lady just transitioned from France to Sebring, Florida. And so now she goes where they go. So she's with Pastor Adam this morning in Sunday school class. And uh, so it's a neat opportunity. I'm sure it's quite scary. I can't even imagine inviting a teenage daughter or person to come live with you for a year in exchange student. So glad my teenage daughter is gone. <laughs> yes. And married. Woohoo! Hallelujah. You can deal with her now. She's all yours, buddy. I had her for alone. No, I love Rachel. You know that. I just want to have some fun. But thank you. You know, so I pray for you guys. I pray for the Culver Houses as they get the opportunity to minister, give, that the Holy Spirit will give them wisdom. Uh, what do you say? How do you say it? So some of you that are French-speaking, I'm sure this young lady would love to speak French. Um, so those of our missionaries that can speak French, uh, we'll introduce you to her, and then you can communicate with her. I know that that would be a great blessing uh, to her. So if you have your Bible, um, Acts chapter 7 is where we're going to go this morning. I hope you did your homework. I know Pastor Adam uh, left you with some homework, and uh, part of that homework was to pre-read Acts chapter 7. So uh, as you take the Word of God there, I know that uh, as you go uh, to Acts chapter 7, probably you're going to see at the top of your Bible over Acts chapter 7 is Stephen's speech, 
And so we're going to get a chance to look at that. But as we get started, uh, it's easy for us to already come with preconceived ideas. Yep, this is Acts chapter 7. Stephen's going to be stoned. And we miss some of the other things that are going on around there. So one thing that I want you to be thinking about this morning is, is what would your response be if it was you? If you were Stephen, and it was your opportunity to be able to share some information, knowing that you've been seized, knowing that people are against you, that people really want to get rid of you, and and Adam shared with you a little bit about that last week. Today we're going to see it take place. Would you fight or would you run? Would you pause in, in the midst of the circumstance and say, okay, God, I don't know what to say, but whatever words you give me, I will give to this crowd because it's not about me. And if, God, it's your decision for me to die, I still want to speak truth. It's all about you and it's not about me. And so as you look at Acts chapter 7, you get a chance to see an individual's response. But what you need to know, this is not Stephen speaking. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through Stephen. And so we live in a society where we love to elevate an individual. Wow, check out this person. Check out their leadership. Check out their technique. It's not about anything to do with that at all with Stephen. Look at verse 15 of chapter 6. Adam showed you this last week, so I won't say a whole lot about it. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. There was not one individual that was sitting there that saw Stephen as Stephen. All the individuals that are sitting at the council, all these individuals that are going to cast judgment, all these individuals that eventually are going to throw stones, I'm not sure all of them, some of them are going to throw stones, but before they throw stones, they're going to have to come face to face with the servant of God that is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And they recognize that in verse 15. All right. So as you enter into this passage of Scripture, start there. It's about the Holy Spirit speaking through Stephen. Now, I want you to see his response. Okay, so if you have your Bible, go down to uh, chapter 7. At the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to us and our father Abraham. And I want you to stop there. So Stephen now is going to go back through an historical account of, of the Old Testament truth. These individuals that are on the council, when we go through these, his response and you see these names, they all should have sat up and said, hold on a second, we know about him. But they do not do that. And what you're going to see is, is you're going to get a chance to see that the people that are sitting in the council, that knew Old Testament truth, you know what they do? They resist the Holy Spirit of God. They say, no, we do not want this truth. We want to dictate what is truth. And so, Stephen, because you're not giving us what we want, Stephen, we will stone you. That's where it's going to go. So be very careful this morning sitting here. You have a Bible in front of you. 
I will challenge you not to resist the Holy Spirit when he speaks to you. Here's an opportunity where the the Word of God is in front of you. It's in your lap or on your phone or however you do the Bible. But there will be a temptation of every single one of you sitting in this building today to say, you know what, I don't want that today. To resist the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, know this, you wound the people that are around you. Now, obviously, you're not going to go pick up stones and go stone somebody. But you damage the individuals that are around you when you resist the Holy Spirit of God. Because what this is, is we're, we're entering into a, a, an age. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're entering into an era in church life in the history of the United States of America that we know biblical truth. We have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. And sometimes I just wish I could take you through life with me and you could watch the situations that unplay in front of me where people know that I'm a pastor, so they act a certain way. And then when you get down to the nitty-gritty, you get a chance to see the dysfunction of the individual that is sitting in a building called church and have a Bible. And their lives are so tossed around by all this junk of this world that they're destroying people that are around them. I won't do it, but I wish I could gossip about all the stuff that I'm involved in to demonstrate to you the form of godliness of people that sit in buildings called church and say that they love Jesus. And you know what really fires me up? When parents and grandparents have a form of godliness and they destroy their children and their grandchildren. I just about want to come out of my skin. I would just wish I could have a come to Jesus meeting Patterson style and say, well, we need to do some things here. So just, you know, turn your back and we'll take care of some things. It breaks my heart to watch individuals call themselves Christians and they live a life that destroys their son and daughter and yet they're sitting in a building called church. So this morning, the first individual as you see is Abraham. If you drop down a little bit farther in verse 3 and he said, go out from your land and from your, from your kindred and go into a land that I will show you. Abraham, as Stephen is giving this message to these people, when they heard the word Abraham, they should have automatically flashed a picture of the word faith. Should flashed into their mind, here's an individual who was a hero of our faith, who was a man that was not perfect. And what's exciting is, of Stephen's list of individuals, not one of them is perfect except Jesus. Not one of them. Not one of them did it fail. And not just fail in simple things, in catastrophic ways that you and I would have looked down on and said, man, you're just a loser, but we love you in Jesus' name. And God said, hold on a second, I'm going to take an individual called Abraham and I'm going to raise him up. And I'm going to demonstrate to the nation of Israel what faith is all about. When God speaks, individuals obey. That's Abraham. God said, go. Where am I going to go? 
to the land that I will show you. How far is that? Is there good grass there? Is there any mountains there? Is there any streams there? Is there anything there that will make me happy? Abraham didn't ask that question. God said, go, and Abraham went. So as you look at this lineup of, of names, Abraham is a man of faith. The next one that he, that he lists is go down to verse 9. And the patriarch's jealousy of Joseph sold him into Egypt, and God was with him and rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Old Testament individual by the name of Joseph, Sunday school lesson, the coat of many colors. Life lessons. His brothers wanted what he had. And so in jealousy, they sold him. They sold him as a slave. They cast him into a pit. They went ahead and had supper. While their brother was over there, what, what do you want me to do? I'm sorry. I'll ask you forgiveness. I did, it's not my fault dad loved me more than he loved you. Am I really responsible for that? And eventually, I'm sure, in his torment and his tears, he eventually fell asleep as his brother sat up on side. You know what? We're going to get rid of this joker. And so what is fascinating to me as I think about the life and the story of Joseph is that God rescued him. It's interesting that, that Stephen points out, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. God rescued him. I don't know if you've thought about this. As I think about the Old Testament person called Joseph, I think about a word, circumstances. I think about an individual of probably few in, in, in Scripture that had opportunity to say, God, you're not fair. was sold as a slave. He was not willing to commit adultery, even though nobody else around would have known about it, but because of his relationship with God, and because he knew that if he would got involved with this woman, even though repeatedly, time and time again, she came to him because he was handsome. Nobody will know. We'll dismiss everybody out of the household. It'll just be me and you. No, I will not sin against God, he got thrown in jail for doing the right thing. And while he's in prison, God is still with him, and he knows that, and he recognizes that, and and God's favor is on him. But yet he still gets denied. So he waits a little while longer, then he is set free. And then there's a ministry of reconciliation with his brothers. You know what's interesting to me? Circumstances have a lot to do with who you are as an individual. When your circumstances are right, you smile. You say, God, I love you. I really enjoy being a Christian. And when our circumstances are bad, we start looking around saying, God, where are you? Take your Bible. And go with me to Psalm chapter 18. 
Psalm 18. Circumstances. David's words. I love you, O Lord. My strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. How would have David ever learned that God could be a rock and a refuge without difficult circumstances? How would have he ever learned that? How would have Joseph ever been able to navigate life without knowing that God was with him even though the circumstances were bad? And I don't know what it's going to be like in heaven, but I I would really like to have a conversation with Joseph because you don't find many people like Joseph that don't become mad and bitter at God. You don't find them. yet, But yet we'll sit in a building and we'll sing songs and we'll say, God, we know you love us. And then when the God takes us down a certain path where we've done nothing wrong, but he wants to take us over here so he can rescue us, pulls out, boom, come on back over here to demonstrate his power for you. You don't high-five him. You start complaining. Well, God's supposed to love me. Yeah, God does love you. Your parents loved you too, but they allowed you to do some difficult things. Hopefully your parents taught you how to work. Hopefully your parents, when you went in and cleaned your room and it wasn't done right, your parents came back to you and said, excuse me, let me just show you what you need to do to finish the job. So, guys, the next time our wife shows us how to do something that we didn't complete, we don't get mad at her. We just say, okay, we're learning, right? I'm just a slow learner. I'm working on it, okay? So receive those words from her because she loves you. Receive God's love for you even though it might hurt sometimes. Because if he doesn't ever send you down some roads, you will never know him as the rescuer. You will never know him as the comforter. You will never know him as the sustainer. You will never have an intimate relationship with him if you don't need to depend on him. So David writes these words, My shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I have saved him from my enemies. There's going to be times and situations where you're the only thing you're going to be able to do is say, Jesus, help me. I'm calling out to you. I don't have answers. I don't have hope. I was texting Arden Gilmore this morning. On Sunday mornings, him and I text back and forth. He's finishing up his cardiac rehab. This summer, he's had to go to a funeral for his daughter-in-law who passed away of cancer. He texted me this morning and said his 50-year-old son has colon cancer. So I texted him back and said, you know what? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm praying that your family will keep their eyes fixed on Jesus on the race that's marked out for them. It's not a surprise that it's the God that his 50-year-old son has cancer. 
It's not a surprise. The circumstance in life that God wants to use to cultivate his son's relationship with him. I don't know where you are with your circumstances today. But I want to encourage you that God is with you. As I think about the life of Joseph, I think about God was there the whole time. There wasn't a day that God wasn't with Joseph. And there will never be a day that you will ever be alone. He will always be with you in your circumstances. One way I thought about an illustration, some of you are kind of like me. We're a little bit impatient when we're traveling. When we get stuck or we leave 10 minutes later than what we normally want to leave or and then we get about 15 minutes down the road, there's an accident. You're saying, God, why, I gotta, why you got to wait? I, I made you wait because I wanted to rescue from this accident. I made you wait because I wanted to show you that I'm still alive and I want a relationship with you. Here's another one. So go back to Acts chapter 7. So you got Abraham, faith. You have Joseph, God is with him in his circumstances, and he rescued him in his circumstances. It's another one that I want you to see. Verse 32. And I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals on your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moses. As Stephen has given his speech to the council, he uses Abraham, faith, Joseph, the faithfulness of God in circumstances, Moses. And it's interesting to me the words that Stephen uses about Moses. Um, look at verse, sorry, I want to go back to verse 20 of chapter 7. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in the house in his father's house, and then he was ex- exposed. Uh, he was exposed. Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed instructed in all wisdom in, in of Egypt. I'm sorry. And Moses was instructed in all wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. Do you ever remember reading about Moses calling himself mighty in words and deeds? That's the way Stephen sees Moses. And we don't have a lot of time this morning, so I'm not going to go through all this. But if you go back and look in Exodus chapter 4, Moses blabbers about his words. God, I'm not a man of good speech. God, I'm not a guy of wisdom. That's not the way Stephen saw him. So I thought about this for a little bit. So you got Abraham, faith, Joseph, God is with you in circumstances, Moses. Do not allow the past to affect who you are. I don't know if you've ever thought about Moses in Exodus chapter 4 when God came to him, but when God showed up on the scene in Moses' in Moses's world in Exodus chapter 4, it's been 40 years after he left Egypt. You know why he left Egypt? Because he killed an Egyptian slave. There was an Egyptian slave that was in an argument or a wrestling match or however you want to phrase it in church with the Israelite. So in Moses in his wisdom said, I'll handle this situation. 
and he kills the Egyptian. Buries him in the sand. That's not very wise. And then there's another argument among the Israelites, and so Moses goes over to there, and one of the Israelites says, are you going to handle this situation the same way? Are you going to kill me? Moses is out of there, gone. We do not hear about Moses for 40 years. When we pick it back up with Moses in Exodus chapter 4, he's running from his past. He's a man of wisdom. He's a man of education. He's a man of sound word. But when we find him in Exodus chapter 4, we don't find that man. We find a man that is captivated and controlled by his past. God says to him, Moses, take off your sandals, sir, because the place that you're standing is holy ground, Moses, because I am here. And Moses, I want to do something in your life to remove your past. I kind of phrased it this way in my notes. God wanted to rescue Moses from the guilt of his past. So in Exodus chapter 4, you have this, and I'm, I'm not promoting Lion King, but this is a pretty interesting little phrase here. Ow, geez, was that for you? Yeah, but it still hurts. It doesn't matter, it's the past. Oh yes, the past can hurt, but the way I see it, you can either run from it, or you can learn from it. You know what I think is taking place? I think we have people that have a form of godliness that are sitting in buildings that are running from their past. So I want to say something to you this morning. The place where you're sitting right now, right here, is holy ground. You know why? Because the word of God is open in front of you. And the I am is with you. And today's the day that you need to stop running from your past. And you need to pause in your world and say, okay, well, God, what do you want to do inside of me today? You know how many people's lives would be radically changed if they would stop running from their past? You know how many families would be changed if they would stop running from their past? Do you know how many little boys' lives would be radically different if their dads would stop running from their past? You know what it would be like for a pastor to be involved in a wedding where mom and dad and mom and dad would have stopped running from their past and we'd have an opportunity to reunite two people together in marriage. You know what that would be like? It would be awesome. You're sitting on holy ground this morning. And I'm not even going to get to the end of this chapter 7 because we're out of time. So we'll end it this way. Maybe today the holy ground where you're sitting is an Abraham day where you just need to live in faith.
maybe this is a day of a Joseph day. Where you say, okay, God, these circumstances you've allowed so that I could be rescued. So that I could see you in a new and a fresh way. Or maybe today is the day that you stop running from your past the way Moses did. When Moses walked away from the holy ground experience, he was an incredible leader. Perfect? No. Used by God? Yes. Should pray with me. Father, I thank you for the privilege we've had to open your word this morning. And so as we sit here, Maybe there's an individual that you need to do work in their life like you did with Abraham. Where they just need to learn to trust you by faith. So Holy Spirit, you know who that person is or persons. Holy Spirit, maybe there's somebody sitting in here that's in difficult circumstances and they feel like you've abandoned them and they've been reminded this morning that you are with them in their circumstances. Joseph. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will not would not allow that person to become bitter, but you would allow that person to become mature. And then, Holy Spirit, you know who's sitting in here is running from their past. So, are you going to keep running, or are you going to fight? Are you going to keep running, or are you going to surrender? He's here for you. He knows your name. He knows what he's asking you. So as Stephen encouraged those believers in Exodus or in Acts chapter seven, verse fifty one, do not resist the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you today. Please don't do it. I don't want to keep sitting with people where moms and dads resist the Holy Spirit and their sons and daughters are wounded. So Holy Spirit, whatever you got to do in our hearts and lives today, may we have a heart of surrender. May we have a heart of humility. May we have a teachable heart today. Father, thank you for your word. Use your word to shape us. Use your word to teach us. Use your word to encourage us. Use your word in us today. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.